Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergera.com. Goodness. Oh, man. Give it up for uh, Adrienne and Nikki one time, Church News. Oh, man. I don't know if we're just feeling super spiritual in the house this morning, but I'm telling you, there is nothing more spiritual uh, that you can do than just rehearse and remind your soul of how good God is. So can we just give him a maximum praise in the place right now? Come on. Come on. He's worthy. This isn't about a man. This is about Jesus. Man, sometimes I just got to tell myself, I got to say, Matt, I don't give a rip how you feel today. I don't care what fight you and Adrian got in. I don't care what is going wrong at church. I don't care what happened to the van. You got to know God is still for you, my guy. And you got to act like you know God is still for you, my guy. Does anybody in the house know that God is still for you? Then yeah, praise him like you know it. Woo! Oh, man. Well... Welcome to church. Who's ready for the word of God this morning? This morning we are kicking off a brand new series. Somebody say, new series. You got to say it just like that. We are Talk Back Church. If it's your first time here this morning, uh, my name is Matt. My beautiful wife, Adrienne, you saw. We're the lead pastors here, and we have an incredible team who just want to see you grow and be everything that God has called you to grow and be into. Sound good? Well, this morning we are kicking off a new series called Live No Lies. Live No Lies. No lies. Turn and tell your neighbor, you better live no lie. Come on, somebody. Turn and tell your second choice neighbor, you definitely better live no lie. That person that was just, <laughs> that person that's like your second string neighbor, that's sad. Okay. Um, you should start asking around, like, why did you choose me second? What was it about me? Just kidding. We're breeding insecurity in church. Stop, Matt. Live no lie. Live no lie. The reason this series is where we're going for the rest of the year, honestly, is because I was praying and I was seeking and I was asking the Lord, what do you have for the church? Everything that we do here at Takeover Church, yes, it is about here. Yes, it is about you. Yes, it is about Grand Rapids and Wyoming and Kentwood and Walker and Rockford and everywhere in between. It is about this section of West Michigan that God has called us to be salt and light and absolutely, but at the same time, we are not hermits. At the same time, we are not off alone. We are not on an island unto ourselves. We exist in the greater body and bride of Christ. Do we not? And so everything that we do here is about strengthening and edifying, like Jesus in his word says, all word of God is used for the building up, reproofing, and edifying of the body and bride of Christ. So everything that we do as Takeover Church is all about the bride of Christ. Amen. And it is my heart and my desire that we would see the bride of Christ going into 2022 living without lies, living by no lies. Am I with anybody this morning? Come on. The reason is, this kind of came out of left field, but how many of you know we serve the God of the left field? Man, when he sends something out of left field, how many of you know when he throws us a curveball, it is only to bring out his best within us? And so when he said, live no lies, I started looking at that and wondering, what does that mean, God? What do you want us to say, God? And he let me know. He's like, Matt, I came for not just transformation, but deformation. There are a lot of things that have formed us in society, formed us in our life. There are a lot of mantras. 
There are a lot of false truths. There's a lot of narratives. There are a lot of things that we have been born into and bred into, and we have lived lies that have formed us. And while the narrative right now alongside social media might be that the evangelical church is deconstructing at an all-time high, we're not interested in deconstruction. We're interested in deformation so that Christ can lead us into true transformation. So we're going to be committed for the rest of the year to living no lies. You ready? Is that cool with you? You good with that? Anybody want the truth of God this morning? Come on, somebody. I came into church this week going, man, you know what? I am sick of narrative news. I'm sick of debated news. I'm sick of news networks. I'm sick of social news. I'm sick of fake news. I'm sick of divisive news. I'm sick of all the news. I just want good news. Does anybody's soul just need good news this morning? Come on. Let's get in the Word of God. Y'all taking notes? Title of my message this morning is Acknowledgement or Attention. Acknowledgement or attention. It is not sexy, it is not vogue, it is not fancy, but I promise you and I hope to the Lord in heaven it makes sense. Does that sound good? Acknowledgement or attention. And all of this would be empty without the word of God, amen. So turn with me to the Old Testament. Somebody say OT. We in the OT to Daniel 3, 10 through 18 don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the Sky Bible, right up there. Here we go. Verse 10. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue that when they hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and all the other musical instruments, that decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. Matt, I thought you this was good news. It is. Come, come down. Verse 12. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They run his finances. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage. That's King Nebuchadnezzar. Flew into a rage in order that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. And when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? if that is your real name, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the golden statue I have set up. I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. If you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. And then what God would be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Catch the lip here. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, then the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you. (laughs) These bold boys. Your majesty? (laughs) It's patronizing at this point. Your majesty? That we will never serve your gods or worship the golden statue you have set up. That was NLT with a little MLT in there, you know, the the Matt Lippy translation. But we're going to pray and we're going to see what the Lord will do with that. Does that sound good? Amazing. Father God, right now, 
Father God, we just acknowledge you. <laughs> Father, we give you not just a seat at our table, God, but we leave our table right now. We leave our expectations for church. We leave our expectations of a preacher. We leave our expectations of what we think this whole consumerism thing is about, God. We leave our table at this moment, and we come to the table that you have prepared for us in the midst of our enemies, in the midst of our lives, in the midst of our realities, God, that we've been living in. Right now, Father God, we leave our self-destructive, impulsive, tables behind God and we come up and we take a seat at your table Father God that you have prepared so whatever the word is God whatever the bread of life is whatever drink you're offering God we will sit from your cup we will sit next to you and we will let you do what you the good Lord plan to do this morning as your Holy Spirit surrounds us come Challenge us, change us, shape us, make us look more like King Jesus. Whew. And Jesus, we will give you all of the glory. Leave none for ourselves. And make sure we make sure that you are the beginning, middle, and end of everything that we do. In Jesus' mighty name of faith-filled church said loudly. Amen. Amen. Come on. Woo. Acknowledgement. Or attention. Acknowledgement or attention. Behind the scenes, I say it like that twice so I remember where I'm at. Not as in here, just in what the Lord has prepared for me to say. Uh, acknowledgement or attention. I love this portion of scripture. This is a portion of scripture, like if I'm being honest, uh, I could preach on every single Sunday. Every single Sunday, I would get something new out of this. The Lord is always showing me something new in there that he just wants to tell our generation, this church, Christians today, about himself. There is always something new in there, and I get so excited about it, but that's just because the word of God doesn't return void, does it? How many of you are grateful today that he does not take back? He, does, he has no take backs in the kingdom of God. Amen. If he said it, he meant it. If he said it, he'll do it. He sends it out, and he don't plan on it coming back. Because his word is alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. Amen. Woo. So I love this portion of scripture. It gets me stoked. So here we go. We got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's coming out of the book of Daniel. Daniel is an old school, Old Testament prophet. I'm talking, this was a wild man. Okay, Daniel, Lion's Den, that guy. This is him. And these happen to be his uh, best friends, his sidekicks, his cohorts, his homies, his cronies, whatever you want to call them. The guys he kicks it with. This is his boy band backup. He is Justin Timberlake, and this is J.C. Chavez and all those guys. Kidding. They are way more successful. So here we got <laughs> Tough crowd. So here we have J.C. Ch I mean, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not just, like, not just like Daniel, they also have a place in Babylon in this King Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. But they actually oversee his finances. They oversee the finances of the kingdom. How many of you know these are three important fellows? These guys have a pretty important job. I mean, this is Babylon. If you know anything about Babylon, my man in the back. Good to see you, buddy. Talking to you, Sam. Good to see you. <laughs> I love that guy. What a legend. So Babylon. Babylon is a terrible, debaucherous, destitute, falling apart, zero morality. This place 
if you can think it, I hope you can't think it, but if you could, it would be law here, okay? It would be happening here. It would be, it would be uh, prov- uh, not, not even provocative. It would be like uh, propaganda. It would be blasted everywhere. Come to Babylon. Do this. Try this. Have you heard of this? This is a new thing that we're doing that's dumb. Like, this is Babylon. And every fallen, sinful nation that has ever allowed sinfulness to reign above holiness from Rome to America has been compared to Babylon. And that's when you know you've done messed up. <laughs> that's when you know you've gone too far. You need to chill out and you need to reconsider the uh, trajectory of your nation. Babylon. And so here in Babylon, there's this king. His name's King Nebuchadnezzar. Sounds like a really cool name, but he's a really bad guy. And he flip-flops like the waves of the sea, this guy. He is a terrible leader. And so here, we got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Lord, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, he has constructed, he has erected, he has made this beautiful, amazing, glorious, golden statue. This idol. This giant, shiny lie. He's constructed this thing. And not only is it massive, not only is it huge, not only is it there to shine brightly for all to see, but at the sound of a zither and a harp and a lyre and all these other instruments that he he lays out there, His thought for Babylon is that you would kneel, that you would bow, that you would fall, that you would pray, and you would worship this golden statue. That when the alarm goes off, or his worship music begins, we would drop whatever it is that we're doing, and we would worship this golden, immaculate, amazing, giant statue. This is Babylon. Sounds an awful lot like a lot, of the, a lot of the world that we're seeing today. You see, friends, here's this moment. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Coolest names in the business. Great jobs in Babylon. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were wise to the lie. They were wise to the lie to the idol. They were wise to the lie, but they were committed to their God. They were wise to the idol, but they were committed to truth. Amen. At this moment, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refused to bow the knee simply because a lie was erected in front of them and it demanded obedience. It demanded compliance. It demanded your servitude, your indentured servitude, that you would bow and you would give up everything. In that moment, to worship, fall, bow, and pray to this golden statue. Lies. golden statue is nothing but an ego trip phony fake 
promising by appearance and appearance alone, this thing sure is counterfeit. And yet, thousands if not millions of people daily, multiple times a day, they didn't just fall for it, they bowed to it. They didn't just fall for the big lie, they bowed to it. Friends, one of the things that I really, really hope to convey over this series is that there are a lot of lies out there and a lot of lies that you and I have been believing in. And friends, lies will always vie for your attention. Lies will always vie for your attention. Lies exist for no other reason than to gain your attention. And lies will attempt to gain your attention by presenting themselves in such a way that they don't appear counterfeit. They will do anything, say anything, be anything, become anything, go anywhere, act like, talk like, worship like, preach like, believe like, sell you a bill of goods that looks like Jesus, that looks like God's word, That looks like something the character of Jesus would say. That looks good. That looks all right. That presents itself in the least deceitful and least harmless way possible. It will present itself to appear the least counterfeit it actually can. All to captivate its intended audience, you. It will present itself... This is how we're going to look out for lies. Somebody said, look out for the lies. We are going to look out for the lies because we have got to understand what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego understood about Nebuchadnezzar and understood about this statue, understood about this truth that they were speaking in the streets, these things that people were succumbing to, bowing to, and giving their lives over to, okay? We have got to see what they see, and that is, one more time, a lie will present itself in such a way to appear the least counterfeit that it can, also that it can captivate its intended audience. See, friends, if a lie can captivate you, if a lie can captivate you, suddenly, A lie doesn't just have your attention. A lie will have your retention. If a lie can captivate you, it doesn't just take your attention off the things of God, off the truths of God, off of what God says is best for your life, what God says is best for your purity, your morality, your marriage, your mental health, whatever your battle may be, whatever lies you are being fed, whatever lies are attempting to come and erect themselves and look like all the answers to your problems. If a lie can present itself the least counterfeit it possibly can, it will captivate you. And if it can take your attention, 
it will hold you in retention. It will hold you in retention. If a lie can arrest you, if a lie can possess you, if a lie can get you to abandon your family, your friends, your church, your word of God, what you know to be true, the experiences you've had with Jesus, the words that he spoke to your heart that are absolutely undeniable. If a lie can gain you in retention, well, then like spiritual Stockholm syndrome, suddenly you won't just be in its retention. Suddenly you will willfully give over your affection. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. If it can hold you long enough, if it can captivate you long enough, if it can take your attention long enough, how many of you know you bow and worship anything long enough, you'll begin to love it. You'll begin to give over your affection to it. So many Christians today, we have bowed and we have succumbed to so many lies in our daily lives that we need to stop and pause and go, where did my affection go? Where does my affection go? Where does my affection lie? What has not only captivated me, but what am I retained by? If you don't know what Stockholm Syndrome is, it's basically where you're held prisoner, abused, demeaned, but somehow through wicked and demonic ways, you, as the prisoner, begin to suddenly have affection for your captor, affection for your abuser, affection for the person who is holding you prison against your own will and desires. That is Stockholm Syndrome, and that is what lies do to a Christian when we can't recognize counterfeit from the real. I mean, think about it. How do you recognize a lie? What are you obedient to? What are you obedient to? These boys, they recognized the lie. They understood what the lie was. But friends, how many others? This is three men. This is three men that were so notable in Babylon. Destitute, debaucherous, playboy bunny mansion, Babylon. They were famous to the guards, not just because they worked in the kingdom and the palace and overseeing finances but because word had got around about these Jews. They were spoke about in such demeaning ways. They were gossiped about in such demeaning ways. It's, it could not possibly just be the royal order and guards that saw that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were standing out like sore thumbs because they were standing up when everybody else was bowing. At this moment, they stuck out. In this moment, we see them recognize the counterfeit from the real. But the question I have about that is how many others, how many others once served the God of the universe, the God of Israel, the God of the Jews, the one true God? How many others in Babylon worshipped him, 
gave their lives to him. But then suddenly in a moment, because something was big and something was shiny and something was glorious and something was massive and overpowering, awestruck wonder. Suddenly, because it was what everybody was talking about, suddenly it was what everybody was saying, what real love looked like. Suddenly this is what everyone was saying, how to love your neighbor. Suddenly this is what it looked like to serve your country. Suddenly, because it's big and captivating and glorious and golden, we fall, we bow, we pray, and we worship just a big lie but how many other Jews for you and me how many other Christians just because a, a guitar came on all the time just because three times a day a trumpet would play just because some guy in a funny hat and an accent told you to bow worship this thing I made I've experienced Jesus, and yet so many Christians are unable to recognize the real thing from the counterfeit. Just because something appears glorious to man doesn't mean it's glorious to God. Just because man calls something good doesn't mean God would call it good. Just because man builds something doesn't mean it's what God's building. Just because someone with power or influence or fame or notoriety or a position in government or any of these other things that you could say, just because someone is the proprietor, the pusher of lies, says this thing is beneficial, this thing is good, this thing is for you, this thing is how you really love, this is how you would show your neighbor affection, this is what is best for you, does not mean that God would agree. And yet so many of us, if the song plays loud enough, if the song goes long enough, if it's put up everywhere, if it's pushed with authority, we will leave what we know to be true. We will exchange truth for a lie, real for counterfeit, and we find ourselves Bending a knee and bowing to things that are not of heaven and not for your best, but things that are designed to arrest. So, how do we tell the real from the fake? How do we tell lies from truth? How do you know if you've been obeying lies in your life when lies come? When temptation comes, when doubts come, when insecurity comes, when suddenly faults, uh, thoughts and feelings and desires and notions, and you get all the fuzzy feelings inside of you, whatever your issue may be that you struggle with, whatever season you're wrestling in, whatever this looks like for you, whatever lie is introduced to your life, my question would be, what do your legs do? What do your legs do? You can take from that statement a lot of things. But what do your legs do? 
when something that feels foreign because right we're a royal priesthood we're a holy nation right we're a body we're a kingdom we're a living stone we just talked about this all last series we are something else Jesus calls us a peculiar people we are set apart we are consecrated we are holy we are different and so something foreign is presented to us what do our legs do Are we bowing to a foreign agent? Or are we running to a risen king? Are we bowing at the feet of something golden and miraculous and beautiful in all the earthly awestruck wonder and sense because somebody said to you, because a lie was sold to you, because it was presented to you as good? God called a lot of things good. But then he called his kids very good. So while our world and our culture and our flesh can present to us good, doesn't mean that it's God. Good is highly subjective. But very good was spoken only about for God's kids. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Suddenly they're rounded up by the royal order of Babylon. Probably the most debaucherous of people because they're they're abusing everything. They're rounded up because they refused to bow and worship a golden statue erected by man because it was presented as a marvelous lie and they knew the real truth. And again, I just think to myself, how many people had the same experience with God, knew Daniel, knew what God did in the lion's den? That legend must have made its way around Babylon as well. And that happened before this moment. They were thrown into a lion's den, but the Lord sealed the mouth of the lion. How? How do we exchange this Lord for this new law? As Christians, we do it all the time because we might understand the word of God, but that doesn't mean that we're convicted by it. Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you see, they didn't just understand God, they were convicted by God. But we understand, we claim to understand all things all the time. We claim to understand things all the time, but we're not convicted by it, because conviction implies being persuaded, and if you are under persuasion, that means you will act accordingly. Do I need to repeat that? Is that okay with you? If you are convicted by the word of God, by what God says is best for your life, if you have God's conviction, it means you are persuaded by God. Therefore, you are underneath the persuasion of God. And to be under the persuasion, by definition, means you act, live accordingly. So as Christians... As Israelites, as Jews, 
clearly a lot of people understood the story of Daniel and the lions, that the God of Israel. They understood Moses and all these things that had happened. They understood law, but they weren't convicted by God. Is this helping anybody? I told you, we are coming after lies today. We are coming after lies today. Some of us, we are more persuaded by the lies spoken over us than convicted by the God that lives within us. We are so good. Come on, somebody. We have been more persuaded. We act, we act faithfully more under persuasion to a lie than we do under convictions from heaven. This is the reality of what it looks like to be a Christian because if we truly knew God's word, God's best, God's standard, God's ways, God's place in our world, in our society, and what he says is best for us, then come whatever temptation may, we wouldn't be persuaded by our feelings. We wouldn't be persuaded by the thoughts of others. We would not be underneath the compulsion of sin or doubt. But we would act accordingly to our convictions from heaven. What do your legs do? I'll tell you what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's legs did. They willfully walked with the guard to go and stand before the king because they could not be persuaded by Babylon, a place where what was taboo would now become truth. They were not persuaded by Babylon. They were convicted by God. We're not going to live by lies. We're not going to bow to lies. We're not going to be motivated by lies. We're not going to die by lies. We look around the world right now, and you will see two things are very connected to each other, and they are both fallen, they are both sinful, and they are both beyond a Christian and that is rage, and that is lies. You see, in this moment, King Nebuchadnezzar brings Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before him, and he goes, is it true? Is it true? You're not going to bow. You're not going to give into temptation. You're not going to give into my compliance. You're not going to worship what I said to worship. What God will rescue you because what is going to happen right now, the consequences for your sin against the king is we're going to turn this furnace up and you're going in. So I'm giving you one more chance. This is your final offer. Bow when the zither and the lyre and the harp go off or die by fire. This is the impossible situation these boys find themselves in. but this is an impossible situation that all of us often find ourselves in. We may not be being brought before the White House and all these other things like they were, but you and I, we face different temptations at different times every single day. You see, friends, you and I, we exist on a battlefield where there is a war fought on three fronts. 
And this is what this message series is truly going to be all about. Because we fight a war. We exist, we live, we breathe, and we fight on a battlefield of three fronts. And one of them is going to be the world. One of them is going to be our own flesh. And the other one is going to be the enemies in hell. The world, the flesh, and hell. All three of them will, uh, will conspire against you. All three of them will spin tails against you. All three of those will come and move against your home and your family and your health and your sickness. All of these things, your wellness spiritually and physically will be on the line and will be at war for on these three fronts. The world, the flesh, and hell. And you have got to be able to determine when you are on the battlefield for your life what is true and what is counterfeit. Friends, acknowledgement or attention. Acknowledgement or attention. The reason I titled my message this morning, Acknowledgement or Attention, is because you and I, over the next hours, the next months, the next years, over the rest of our lives, we are going to be given opportunity on three fronts. Sometimes by all three on the same day, at the same hour, in the same moment. You don't think fallen order, including your own flesh, isn't going to conspire with the world and hell to come against you? It will. Sorry, our, 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 uh, our war isn't against flesh and blood, is it? It's against principalities and darkness. It's against our own fallen flesh, fallen world in which we live in, everybody else's fallen flesh, and hell that will conspire against you. Acknowledgement or attention. Acknowledgement, by definition, literally means to acknowledge the existence of truth. Acknowledgement is to note the existence of truth. Succumb to the existence of truth. Do you know what attention's definition is? The, the definition of attention is for your notice to be taken. So here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing before the king in front of a furnace that's turned up seven times hotter than normal and is about to burn the guards that throw them, uh, throw them in there. And they are standing there, and they have an opportunity. Will they give attention to the idol? Will they allow their notice, their observation, their eyes, their gaze to be taken from them, taken off of God, put on a lie, on an idol, on temptation, on whatever... Oh, will they stay steadfast in their acknowledgement of truth, truth being God. Truest thing about truth is God. Will they acknowledge God before men, before kings, before a fiery furnace and certain death? Or will they give, or will they allow their eyes, their notice, their observation, their captivation. Will they allow what Paul calls the window to our souls, their eyes, to be given over to lies? Friends, who has your eyes? What lies 
have your eyes? What lies have presented themselves such a great counterfeit that no matter how close you get to it, no matter how long you've had it in your possession, or rather how long it's had you in its possession, no, long, no matter how intimate you've gotten with the counterfeit, you haven't been able to tell it apart from truth. What lies have your eyes? see right now in the world there's a lot of lies and there's a lot of rage both are both both are fallen and sinful and not of God our Bible tells us that our God is not a man that he shall lie he has righteous anger but righteous anger is not rage see what happens is when you begin to put the face of a lie up against the face of truth, a lie will all, a, the face of a lie will always be exposed in the face of truth. Because in this moment, when they say and they lip off and they declare and they make a mockery of King Nebuchadnezzar and they say, your majesty, there ain't no way on God's green earth in heaven or in H-E doubles hockey sticks, hell, I'm going to bow before you. When they make a mockery of Nebuchadnezzar, it says that Nebuchadnezzar's face flies into a rage. What gives away a lie is that when intimidation doesn't get compliance, it rages out. When intimidation or temptation doesn't gain your compliance, it rages against you. Either believe or die. Fall, worship, or die. Concede, affirm, or get ostracized, get canceled. All these different things that we see in different forms of society. Or here's this one. Maybe your temptation today is something on the inside of you that is just saying, give way to me. Give way to this desire. If you don't give in to this desire, you're not living your truth. Can I tell you something today that will set you free? Is that okay? Does anybody care about freedom in the church today? What if I told you today that temptation is just intimidation? What if I told you today, temptation, it's just intimidation? What if I told you this morning that temptation is solely there to intimidate you into doing what something other than the Holy Spirit on the inside of you wants you to do? I think that'll set you free because you got temptation coming on you. You got desires welling up on the inside of you. You have attractions over here. You got attractions over there. You have this thought pop in your head. Maybe you should go here. Maybe you should take this. Whatever it is, whatever golden, erected, miraculous statue is brought before you, it presents itself so glorious. It says, come, indulge in me. And all of a sudden, you just go, I see you for what you are. You presented yourself as temptation, but you're intimidating me. You told me you were glorious, but nothing's as glorious as 
is God. Babylon, you presented me with every opportunity to give into every feeling and desire and notion and idea and thought that passes between my ears. But that's not real freedom. You're telling me if I do this, I'll be free from religion. But in fact, I'm just becoming more religious to the things of this world and less religious to the things that actually matter. You've presented heresy so beautiful and so loving. And God, I could just, I could just be so free to myself. sounded good but freedom to myself is actually what Jesus came to save me from freedom to myself is what Jesus came to save me from because he made me and he formed me and he shaped me in my image and likeness and friends lies will never give you free will God gives you free will because he says come on somebody God says you're not my robot you're my image lies say give Fall, bow, pray, or fire. And God says, I give myself first. I gave my son first. I present relationship that I pray and hope believes and goes into obedience and relationship and friendship and sonship and daughtership with you. That's real freedom. God says, I'm going to pursue you all the days of your life, whether you pursue me back or not. God says, I'm not going to demand your attention. I'm not going to demand your affection. I'm not going to conspire or intimidate you into relationship with me. I am going to offer myself up as sacrifice. And whether you take me up on the relationship or not, what comes with that decision, good, bad, or otherwise consequences are solely on you. I'm here. And I'm true, and I'm real, and I'll be with you always, and I will chase you every single day. But if you choose to bow and live by lies, my hands are tied. Because I didn't make you a robot. And I will never force you to love me. But I'll be here. (laughs) You want to test you got to test the words. you got to test the spirit in everything our Bible says. Because one is going to lead you into actual freedom, and the other is going to lead you into certain bondage. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They say, your majesty, this is what Christians need to have on their lips when we face temptation of every kind. Are you ready? Your majesty, temptation, morality, desire, government, media, whatever it is that's presenting itself like the gospel but is fake, false, fallen. I will not bow. I won't bow to you. I'm not going to give in to the temptation to lie, to get ahead. I'm going to find favor with the Lord. 
I'm not going to give in to temptation for all the Tinder dates and things that I could step out on just because my husband isn't treating me right or I'm single and I've been single for too long and I'm fed up with it and God hasn't provided a spouse so I got to start providing myself kind of when you know you're committing to a lie is when you begin to do what God should be doing when you should be wait when you begin to do what God is saying wait on me for I will not bow to you my God he will surely rescue me from this temptation this is just intimidation this is just my flesh being dumb this is just my co-workers being stupid this is just that little red-headed devil in hell rearing his ugly head son Jesus said he's going to stomp you out that's all you got to do it's all you got to recognize is in that moment, tell the counterfeit from the real thing. And you say to that king, you say to that idol, you say to that lie, you say to temptation, you say to doubt and insecurities and all of these things. Suicide? You present yourself like reprieve. But really, you're a grave robber. You present yourself like reprieve, like rest. But Jesus says, I can cast my weary onto him. I could be heavy laden and still be a Christian. I could be heavy laden and still live this life. I could be heavy laden and still fulfill the call of God in my life. Why? Because I can cast that on to Jesus who can handle it. You were trying to intimidate me into taking myself, my life, my call, my purpose, my kids, my future. You're not going to take my attention. You're not going to have my notice. I am going to acknowledge God in the midst of temptation. Come hell or high water, a hot furnace or not, certain danger and certain death, I will not give in to damnation. Instead, I will make God my proclamation. Worship team, you can make your way up here. You see what happens is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They say this to this king, and I don't believe they were calling their bluff because they said the most bold statement a Christian could ever say and it needs to be what we say the word of God says meditate on my word day and night and do not let it depart from your lips don't let this lead you don't let this get out of you keep this on the inside of you you need to fight for this friends your mind will either be a habitat for the Holy Spirit or the devil's favorite playground your mind will either be a habitat for the Holy Spirit or the devil's favorite playground. And they say, daring, bold, audacious, potentially stupid if you come from a reformed background. <laughs> Where's all my word of faith, people? Hey, name and acclaim it. I'm trying to get some life. He says this. But even if he doesn't, even if he don't, even if I die here today, 
even if I don't see healing, we believe you will, but even if you don't see healing, even if the marriage doesn't turn around, even if you are so overcome by sin and by depths and despair and hurt, even if you are so rattled and overcome by fear, even if this ends up being where you die today, we will not bow to you, King. Even until death, we will live for truth. Even if God doesn't come through, but we know he will, because the rest of his word confirms it. But even if he doesn't, I'll never identify with that. I'll never let this big, dumb, just, ugh, golden statue, more of a silver person myself, a golden statue. Win. Even if he doesn't, I won't worship you, king. And this throws the king into a rage. and It says that he turns the next portion of scripture real quick Daniel 3 19 he says Nebuchadnezzar was so furious that his face became distorted with rage that he turned up the furnace seven times hotter than normal that even the guys that threw them in there were burned because of the heat. It's a funny thing, the number seven. In the word of God, number seven represents completion and perfection. And I think there is something that is holy and prophetic for every Christian in here today. That what was used by a king because of defection is used by a higher and a greater and a mightier king for your completion and your perfection. You see, friends, in this moment, you can stand with me. We're going to worship. I'm not going to read the entire portion of Scripture again. In this moment, they are in there, and it is burning seven times hotter. Because they defected from one king to be perfected by another king. And they were thrown into the crucible where gold and silver go to have their impurities drawn out. Friends, I don't know how you found yourself in a furnace. I don't know how you found yourself in the fire. I don't know what lies you neglected, negated, and ran from. I don't know what got you in the hot spot you now find yourself currently in. But can I tell you, whatever is in you, that'll boil to the surface. Whatever is in you, 
in the fire will be boiled to the surface. My question for you today is what is, it? my question is, is what is, that is, uh, English, is, here we go, is what is inside of you able to deliver you? Is what that will be found within you in the fire, is that able to deliver you? Because in this moment, furnace is turned up to seven, hotter than Hades, meant to kill, not to maim, meant to end, not to begin, meant to take you straight out. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't for the play play. Suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar looks in and he says, Hey, didn't we put them in there securely? Yeah. Didn't we secure their hands and their feet? Yeah. Didn't we throw them in there with like all their clothes on, turban and all? Yeah. There was only three of them, right? I know they got some long names, but I didn't miss one. And the guards go, Yeah. Well, it looks like there's a fourth in there. How many of you know when you're in a three-sided war, you're going to need that fourth man? When you're in a three-sided fight, you're going to need that fourth man. And here is the deal. You want to know why I know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were so full of truth that they were unable to live and succumb to lies. It is because what was on the inside of them was praise, faith, worship, and belief. Because the Word of God says, I inhabit the praises of my people. That God rides in to your situation on a cloud of praise. That where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. There my presence will be with them. My presence is my power. And so, God was with them in the fire. Are you living by lies or are you living by truth? The fire will let you know. But only one of them will be able to deliver you. Lies, forget deliverance. They can't even sustain you. They might entertain you. They might give you some sort of euphoric release for a moment. But ultimately, lies will be your end game or truth will be your eternity. So my question today as we go into worship one last time. In the fire, Will truth rise and lies die? Or will lies rise and you die? Because it says that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were let free. King Nebuchadnezzar opened it up and they had no scorch on their garments. They didn't even smell 
of fire. But how many lies have we believed that left us stained and stunky? But truth. Truth will leave you untouched by the adulterous ways of this world. If truth is what is inside of you, if you are so full of truth, you can't live by lies. So friends, we're about to sing a song called Have It All. Have it all. Have it all. So as the worship team begins to sing, make this your prayer. Furnace or not. Furnace or freedom. God, you can have it all. You can have my whole world. You can have my truths. You can have my lies. I want to rise by you and you alone. I will not die here in this furnace because you are with me in it already. So as you close your eyes, as you bow your heads, as you worship, as you sit, whatever it is that you do right now, make this song your declaration. Rid yourself of lies and let's start this journey of deformation to transformation on the right foot by ridding us of what God says is not best for us and taking on what God says is true rest for us. Amen? Let's worship. Come on, sing. This heart.